Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the last man standing with Loserpool. Lots and lots to discuss. Is there any way back for Granite Xhaka? Is it time for Unai Emery to go? What did you make of it all? I'll be talking to my excellent guests on this week's show in just a moment's time. Hello, good afternoon and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna streaming live. A big hello to everybody who's tuned in at the moment and to those of you, of course, listening or watching back on the replay. I am joined by an excellent panel this week. Let me introduce you to them all, starting with Was Was, welcome back to the show, mate. It's been a long time since you've been on. How are you? I'm good, thank you, mate. I'm good. Thanks for having us back on and it's a shame it ain't in a happier circumstances, eh, but... There we are. Yeah, I know, I know. But tough that, but we've got to get on with it, I guess. Uh, James, welcome back to the show. You were on uh, last week. Lots of excellent feedback, uh, as always. How are you, mate? I'm fantastic, mate. Thanks for having me back so soon on the show, mate. No problem at all. And, of course, last but not least, Chronicles of Aguna regular radio producer, the one and only Mike Stavry. Mike, welcome back, mate. How are you? Yeah, it's been a long time, Harry, man. I'm just hoping my Tesco internet uh, lasts for the show. <laughs> You'll be fine, I'm sure. <laughs> no worries. Right, let's get cracking. Let's start off um, with the big talking point. Now, of course, the result was unacceptable. The performance was poor. Um, it is worth noting that we would have won the game if it wasn't for VAR and their stupid, uh, nonsensical decisions. Clear and obvious. What does that mean? Now, there wasn't certainly wasn't anything clear and obvious uh, in that goal that was chalked off for Callum Chambers. But the big talking point is the incident with Granite Xhaka. Now, people who listen and watch this podcast on a regular basis will know that I've defended him. Um, I I don't condone his actions yesterday, but I see why he's gotten to that point. The fan abuse has been absolutely vile. It's been over the top. It's been disgusting. Was You were at the Emirates Stadium yesterday. What did you make of the whole debacle? Shambolic, to be honest with you, mate. I think the, the the pressing issue for me that that that's a that's a one-off incident that has happened as a result of a bigger picture. The the, the issues are happening with all sorts of players, left, right, and centre. We had issues last year with Ramsey not being selected, and now Mesut Ozil's on the chopping block. Mustafi's been completely isolated from the team. There's issues left, right and centre and, and clearly there isn't a harmony in that dressing room at the moment, whether it's to do with Emery, whether it's to do with individual players, something is not right. Now, with regards to Granit Xhaka, like you touched on, he's took stupid amounts of personal abuse for a long time and it's not just on Instagram posts, it's actually in stadiums, it's during the match, you can hear it, it's, it's ironic cheering when substitutions are being made. This This is not... His reaction yesterday was not just because he got subbed off yesterday. That, that, that needs to be put into context here. This guy has not reacted in that way because he doesn't care about Arsenal and because he was subbed off yesterday. This has been a long-running scenario and I think that the pressures and the, the issues behind the scenes, they're all building and no one really knows what goes on in these dressing rooms and no one really knows about the relationships between the manager, the players and also what is fed back to the fans. Now, you only see and you only hear what you want to be told. Now, we don't know. And and Jacker himself, he's always stood up. He's always been counted. People can have his, their opinions on his, on his footballing ability and, and 
the issues that come with him on the pitch. And I'd like to discuss that in a little while about his, his actual playing style and, his, and, and what's happening with him. But that aside, the abuse is just unjust. And, and, and like I said, it's not just yesterday, uh, an ironic cheer and his reaction. People won't like it, but I actually, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it, but I was happy that he, he stood up and he, he weren't willing to just stand there and take it because it, it shows he cares. Now, people will, if you take that incident yesterday in isolation, yes, it's wrong, but it's not about yesterday. It's about 18 months to two years of consistent abuse, about him being out of his wife in public being abused. About It's, it's just it's well beyond just yesterday, and there's a much bigger picture than just Granite Xhaka. It, it's all boiled over, hasn't it? And I said that exactly. instantly after the game. You know, I, I get that people were annoyed that he wasn't coming off quickly. But let's not forget, this was around about the 60th minute. It wasn't the 85th minute, uh, for example. But, you know, the, the abuse has been building up. The, the pressure has been on Granite Xhaka for whatever reason. And I actually agree with a lot of the things you say was um, in regards to the manager. My opinion of him is not very high. I'm not going to go into that again because I've said it time and time again on this podcast. Um, Mike, you've got a slightly different view on on Granite Xhaka's reaction. I just want to say before you come in that even though I understand where he's coming from, I don't like to see the, the captain throw the armband on the floor like he did and, and, and you know, and, and act the way he did. But I get it. But Mike, you're of a slightly different opinion, I guess. No, look, I can understand it, Harry. And, and you know, I'm not being completely unsympathetic of uh, the abuse that he's received. Um a lot of it, I think we have to be careful when we say abuse um, and the difference between that and criticism because, yeah, people are bringing up, you know, uh, the actual abuse of him on Instagram. That's a very minor amount of people and a lot of people at the ground yesterday uh, would not have been involved in any of that. So let's not paint them all with the same brush, first of all, I just want to say that. Um, s second of all, yeah, I mean, I've, I feel sorry for him and sometimes he is scapegoated. Um but what he did yesterday for me as a captain, as a leader, is pretty unacceptable. Whatever he's, he's going through, however much you know criticism he's received, you can't do that. You can't say uh, to the fans that have come here to support the team, have paid loads of money for, for their season ticket, fuck off. Like For me, that is wrong. And there's no, there's, there's no way back for him as a captain. Uh, there's been stories breaking today about you know, a possible fine, um, and possibly stripping the captaincy off him, I would fully support that. Um, but I think the main point that needs to be made, Harry, aside from that, is that Unai Emery has caused all of this. Everything that has transpired um, with the captaincy, you know, he he uh, he didn't take the responsibility to choose captain himself. He spineless. He said, you know what, I'll take that out of my hands. I'm going to give it to to the players, which meant that he didn't have any responsibility for it. And I think that's a really really bad way to deal with things um and for someone who was already under the spotlight has taken criticism from Arsenal fans to then put him in even more by making him captain I mean he must have known what sort of reaction that was going to get so I think the main issue for me is, is with Emery I don't like how Xhaka handled it but um I can understand a part of it you know it's, it's hard for us as fans to understand what it's like to play in that high pressure cooker environment of football but um yeah the main issue for me is of emery yeah i i agree with that uh james you're normally very level-headed let's not that the others aren't but um what's your take on it i um as i've already said i don't know what jack had done but 
I get it. And the reaction to him has been appalling. And like was said, this wasn't an isolated incident. There were ironic cheers in another home game this season. There were ironic cheers at Bramall Lane on Monday night when he was taken off also. So this has been boiling up, hasn't it? And finally, the Granite Xhaka, uh, you know, the, the player that some of us love, some of us don't, but he's finally blown his lid. And, you know, it was inevitable, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. It feels like from kind of minute one with Granite Xhaka, he's been at the helm of all this abuse from uh, from Arsenal fans, whether you want to label it abuse, criticism, whatever. He's he's certainly someone that people have not enjoyed picking on, but I don't think they've been best pleased with his performances. And so over time, that's just become a bit of a constant theme, unfortunately, for him. And he's definitely not, um, not a fan favourite. But looking at yesterday's incident kind of in isolation, I was more initially angry with Arsenal fans than I was with what Granite Jacket did. Because when you're, you know, I'm sure we were all in the stadium yesterday watching it in, in real life time, it was uh, mental for me the minute that his number went up, those ironic cheers started so it was, it was Arsenal fans that started this that should be the thing that that is noted it was definitely the Arsenal supporters that that caused this incident to happen then he seemed to slowly walk off the pitch and I don't agree with with that um it, whether it's the 60th minute in the game or the 85th minute I mean I think he should at least be jogging off the pitch um irrespective of what's going on around him that's it that's the one thing I disagree with but I mean, I can understand his frustration totally, throwing the armband down, throwing his shirt off. Uh, he just looks like a guy that, that doesn't want to be at the club. And, you know, I find it very hard to blame him playing in this hostile atmosphere. What I would say is he's obviously got the backing of the players because they've they voted for him as captain. And uh, he's got a lot of belief in himself. He backs himself. And that's what I like about Granite Jacker. He's certainly not a player that's going to hide whatever you think of his football inability, as was, uh, was said earlier. Um but uh, just to echo what everyone else is saying, this is entirely Unai Emery's doing. There was a period last season when I think a lot of people were in support of Granit Xhaka, though that was the time when he was playing alongside Lucas Torreira and we had that very balanced midfield. And Granit Xhaka was allowed to do what he does best, dictate play, play the ball through the lines. And he's just not been able to do that this season because Guendouzi has effectively taken over the role that Xhaka was, was doing last season. And now Xhaka's having to do a role that he's not really accustomed to, a more defensive-minded role. And I think it's a real shame for him that we're wasting his talents. We're not getting the best out of him. And uh, Emery has put all this pressure on him by, first of all, making him captain and by picking him week in, week out. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Unai Emery, let's, let's, have, let's have it right. He has shown... Uh, since I'd say probably April of last season, even before that, in my opinion, but to the wider audience, I think most people have acknowledged that since April, at least we've been in decline. Arsenal have been getting worse and worse. There's no creativity. We spoke about it the other day, James. Mesut Ozil was being left out. First, he was injured. Then he was unwell. Then he was not training hard enough. Then there was an improvement in his training. And now the club are all on the same page about leaving him out. This is a, this is just one of a few situations that are ongoing and causing us all sorts of problems. Now, was I, I know you're sort of messing Ozil in, and I am too, but I don't know how you feel, but from my perspective, I'd rather the club don't come out with a load of bollocks week on week about him. It's this, it's that, it's X, Y, Z, is his training, is his heart rate in training, isn't high enough, therefore he's not putting enough effort then, you know, just don't say anything. But what they're doing is they're lying to us week on week. So the the, the bond between the fans, the trust between the fans uh, and the, the hierarchy at the club is is in a really fragile state. Where do you stand on Unai Emery as a whole? Is it time to give him the boot? <laughs> I think, you know, I've been pretty decided for a while in this situation. I mean, 
at the start, I was, of course I wanted him to do well. Of course, still now, now if if he goes on a ten game winning run and and all of a sudden we start playing brilliant football, everyone will back him. But it ain't going to happen. And and unfortunately, we went on that run last season. And 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 like James alluded to, we were playing to players' strengths. We had the four two three one. We had the balanced midfield. Players were, were being utilised correctly. And and all of a sudden, it, it just went out the window. And and it seems. This season, we're trying to find an issue with every single individual rather than looking at the actual balance and the structure of the team itself. And everyone is suffering for this. I mean, the 4 3 3 that he's adopted lately, the flat free midfield, it just does not work. These players are not built to play in these roles. You're asking Granite Xhaka to cover huge distances to, to, to do things that aren't in his nature. He's not that kind of player. Now, as James said, you, and, and as you've alluded to, leaving Mesut Ozil out of the team means that there isn't progression through the lines. There isn't there isn't that opportunity to play that ball through the lines. Now, Granit Xhaka is a specialised player. He lacks in a lot of areas, but what he's good at, he's brilliant at. And last season, when we was allowed to see him alongside Torreira, and by the way, Torreira needs someone like Xhaka with him. It's called a balanced partnership. That's how you perform. Now, when that ball isn't available through the lines, we don't see that progression. In the, I, mean, I mean, this season, I could probably count on one hand the amount of times we've strung together a move in the final third and we've looked at it and thought, yeah, we've done well there. The players, we're playing out from the back and there is no out ball. We've got the two wingers two wingers wide that are isolated. One of them at the moment is a centre forward in a Bamiang playing wide. Pepe, all Pepe wants is a crowd scene. Every single player in this team, apart from Guendouzi, because he's running around like an absolute nutcase and it looks brilliant to everyone, but the, the reality is... If a player's being asked to do that, something is not right. And, and the kid's done really well and he's getting a lot of plaudits and rightly so. But it's, it's not helping the team. And there's no balance in there. And with the whole Ozil scenario, it's just, it's just astonishing to me that a player of his ability, whatever anyone thinks about him, you cannot tell me that we are more creative without him. You cannot tell me that we are better to watch without him. And you definitely cannot tell me this season we are getting the results without him. Now, if they wanted to... Just to get rid of him out of the team, we should have gone out and signed that creative player in the summer. Sabahs is not that number ten; he's not that creative player. And if he doesn't want to play a number ten, then stop playing players like Granite Xhaka who are not suited to that system. So ultimately, we can discuss everything till the cows come home about individuals, what they're good at, what they ain't. But the fact of the matter is, as a football manager, you've got a squad of players. You look at them, you extract everything you can out of these players, both emotionally. But on the pitch, everything, it seems to me that we are not seeing any of that from our from our current manager. Tactically, we're a shambles. The, the players seem, they, 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 for me, it looks like they've they've lost lost belief in his ideas a long time ago. And I, I just think that at the moment, it seems like it's, it's a living hell within that in that squad. And, and the fans are not enjoying what they're seeing. We don't try and dominate games. We don't try and keep possession. We set up deep and try and counter-attack. We, it's just really, really frustrating to see. And and I just think that Emery has unfortunately proven that he, he he's a bit out of his depth here. And, and we're not Valencia, we're not Sevilla. And also, we're not at PSG where we've got £300 billion. We're in between that level. And he needs to go on and, and, and extract the best from what he's got. And he isn't doing that, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with all that. I think he's he's come in and he's rather than putting his arm around certain players and trying to get the maximum out of them. And we were told that he was so pragmatic, but he isn't. He isn't actually that pragmatic because someone who is pragmatic would come in and see what they've got, 
recognize that the team's strengths lay in certain positions. We have certain uh, weaknesses that, you know, un until we sign a load of players won't go away. But he just doesn't seem to be playing, to me, to Arsenal's strengths. I, ju I, I just find it so frustrating. James, do you get the impression that Unai Emery is a bit of a, a deflector in the sense that he doesn't ever want to take responsibility for things. And it feels like all this, I, I don't know, like I find him a little bit, I, I, don't, I know his press conferences are an issue because the communication is not quite there with the supporters. And I find that often we're having to try and read between the lines to work out what he is actually trying to say. But do you feel like he's, like what was said, he's out of his depth and he's just a bit of a, there's a bit of an excuse, blame sort of culture at Arsenal at the moment. And he was quite happy, wasn't he, for, for Xhaka to take the, the brunt of it for a long, long time and, and maybe hide behind that. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to say that he's a bit of a coward, but I think a that's large part of, of what he's done this season and towards the back end of last season has shown that that's exactly what he is at times. Not all the time, but but for a large part of the time, he is very conservative in the way he plays. I mean, if you look at when we went free to up yesterday through Socrates... He had Torreira stripped and ready to go. That tells you everything you need to know about this guy. And yeah. I've honestly got no faith that he's going to play the football that all of us, every Arsenal fan wants to see. And if you're not going to play that way, then you've got to get results. And he's not getting results either. So for me, I want someone that's going to come in and play the Arsenal way, the football that made us all fall in love with this club. He's not the guy to do that. Lining up in his 4-3-3 system... We're not Liverpool. We haven't got the players to do it. We haven't got a Firmino that's going to drop into midfield. Lacazette isn't that type of player. He's not the link between defence, between midfield and attack. We just haven't got the players to play that way. We've got players accustomed to playing a 4-2-3-1. It worked so well at times under Wenger, as much as I hate to say it, but it was the, the favourite formation. And it's something that a lot of these players have been brought up on. So I'm amazed that he's not kind of built on what he started last season. I was really, really encouraged by what I saw when he initially came in, despite losing... 2-0 to City, 3-2 to Chelsea early on in, in last season. You could see the approach was there, the high press, the high energy, the intense style of play, along with the exciting football. We saw it against Fulham, against Leicester. We had all the players doing it, all the players in the right positions, and we've not seen that at all this season. Let's, let's be honest, all the games that we've played in the league, home and away, have all been dreadful. I can't think of any standout performance. And um, yeah, I mean, I know that doesn't really answer your question, but in, in relation to it, I'm, uh, I, I do think he's, he's someone that doesn't want to take take the full blame of things. And I think that's kind of resonated throughout the squad. And you can see that players are, you know, not entirely uh, filled with belief in terms of his system and his approach. I mean, Mike, I don't know about you, but when Crystal Palace pulled one back, um, so I, I thought it was a penalty straight away. I was in the North Bank uh, there behind the incident. And as soon as uh, Wilfred Zaha went over, and I know he's got a bit of a reputation, hasn't he, for throwing himself over easily. But I thought instantly that it was a spot kick. The VAR overturned it, etc. I thought it was the right decision for what it's worth. Um, we were on the wrong end, though, of a really, really bad decision, weren't we? And it, it does that... Has that decision contributed to the aftermath of this game in the sense that our fans obviously you're going to be more frustrated when you don't win the game but do you think that there'd be so much coverage surrounding what went on yesterday if Arsenal's goal had stood and the result was what we had wanted would it have masked over the incident with Xhaka and the various other deficiencies 
Um, in a way, Harry, but I think any sort of fan that, that knows, you know, that knows Arsenal, it doesn't matter if you win, like just like in the in the week in the Europa League, you know, Pepe scored two free kicks, it sort of papered over cracks. And for me, if we would have won that game, again, it would have been papering over cracks. I don't think that made much of a difference. Um, on the VAR incidents, I mean, you could see as soon as the has gone over, the referee's looking to give him a... Uh, a booking for diving. I mean, I, I think refs have it in the back of their mind. All right, it's Sahar, and his reputation precedes him. So I, I knew, I knew that was going to happen. I mean, it was clear as day the fact that it was a penalty. Um, and for me, we had the good and bad sides of VAR in that game. Um, I mean, the ruling Socrates' goal out. I don't know what the fuck that's about. I mean, I feel like they are over analysing things now because it's so slow. They see it so many times. You are going to pick up bits here and there because if you looked at that once you just saw it was nothing it was a coming together and as as people pointed out it could have easily been a penalty for us instead it goes the other way um and afterwards because uh, i didn't actually manage to get to the game they showed a shot of the uh the pitch side monitor um on the side and i'm have we lost him I think we've lost him. Was I'm going to bring you in um, on the whole like VAR? Tesco, the old Tesco internet ain't worked out then, has it? That's no, it. Yeah, hey. Tesco mobile. Was I leave you? Just back? on the on the uh, monitor. Yeah, you said yeah. About the monitor. Yeah, no. I was just saying. Uh, I just can't believe that the referees have been given a directive not to use it when it's there, and it's definitely something that would help him. As someone who watches quite a lot of Bundesliga football, they go to the pitch side monitor a lot. And it helps the referee, you know, form the decision because they can make it for themselves. It's not coming from from somewhere else. So, I mean, VAR is a whole other debate, Harry. You just, um, you guys were chatting about Emery there. I mean, oh, it's just a mess. I think we've got worse than we were under Arsene Wenger, which in his last season was was quite dire in itself, to be completely honest. Uh, attacking wise, definitely defensively the same, if not worse, again. Um, We've got all these attacking players, you know, they're creative, they're dynamic, and they're not allowed to be in this system. I feel like it's so structured. Everyone has their has their roles that they probably don't really understand. And you've got players like Pepe who can take people on. He's excellent on the counter-attack, and he's just hamstrung by Emery's tactics. So um, my worry is that if they don't sack him, which uh, David Ornstein came out today in the Athletic and said, you know, the, the hierarchy are fully behind him, that, that worries me. Whether it's shop talk, I'm, I don't know. But if we don't get Champions League, uh, I think he will go. But even, even if he does, I mean, we're in big trouble if we don't get Champions League again. I mean, my fear is that given sort of the strength of some of the sides around us this season, that we may just have enough to get over the line because of, um, you know, the fact that United are not very strong. I expect Chelsea to have some sort of dip in form given the, the young squad that they have and the inexperience that, you know, Frank Lampard may have. That may show later on in the season. But was, is there almost a feeling of, and I know we should never really say this as Arsenal fans, but is there almost a feeling of if we did make the Champions League, but it meant another year of Emery, that maybe that wouldn't be the right thing? Uh, at the end of the day, no football fan wants their side not to be successful. But when, when when you can see and you know that this is not sustainable, you can talk about results all you want, but every result this season has been unsustainable. The, the performances are not there. 
we ca- we cannot carry on the way we are, and nothing is changing. And I mean, if, if Unai Emery had, had stuck to a plan and, he, and he'd set his stall out and he said, "Look, I'm going to play like this. This is what Klopp done at Liverpool. He went in rock and roll football. Everyone's like, blimey, what's he doing here? Like, he ain't got the players to do that.' And he's like, "No, nope, this is the way I play. This is just, this is what I'm going to do. And I'll tell you what, when I get my players, I'm going to really, really excel." And he improved, and he improved, and he improved. We've gone backwards. We've played about 57 formations. We've got all different players every single week. We play different players week in, week out, different back four. We've got nothing about us. So going forward, does making the Champions League make a difference for Unai Emery's future? Personally, I think no. And I mean, if you you watch, if you actually watch the games and you're, you're actually interested in Arsenal Football Club, which sometimes I do wonder if any of the board are, you can see that it is not sustainable. I almost feel like they just put the put the TV on and have a look at the result at the end. And go, oh, happy days. We've got three points here today and, and we're still in touch with the top four. But it's so much more than that. We're, we're Arsenal Football Club. We're not... We, we, are, we, are, we should be... Um, we, we, lately, we're so down on ourselves. We need to believe what we are and get back to that level that we should be. And accepting mediocrity is not that. You cannot go out and have the ambition to buy players like Nicolas Pepe and 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 give them to give them to people like Unai Emery and, and watch what we're watching. It just does not make sense. Now, surely the club have bought these sort of players to to, to play the Arsenal way to give us what we want. And and like James said earlier, if you're playing a certain way and you're getting results and you it's rubbish to watch. So what? George Graham done it for years and he and he excelled and he won titles. Now. We're not seeing either. So, yes, in the long run, I don't think, if they're actually watching what's happening, I don't think whether we make top four or not will affect Emery's future. And personally, I think that looking at the next few fixtures, they're very, very tough games. Liverpool away is a freebie because people won't talk about that. It's League Cup, it'll be young players. But defeat there, Wolves at home next weekend is absolutely massive for Unai Emery. Anything other than a victory is a disaster because of the way the results have been this season. Then we go on to Leicester and in between that we've got Grimares away. Now, them four games, honestly now, I do think that the pressure will and his situation will become untenable if, if we get bad results. If we drew iron against Wolves, got smashed by Liverpool and lost at Leicester, I can't see a way forward. We could then be nine points behind fourth place. And I know it's still not even Christmas, but you don't want to be four games behind competitors. You don't want to be at this stage. Now, if they're serious about the Champions League, you have to make that decision because, for me, it's got gradually worse since, I would have said, last March. Um, we've gone out, backed him in the transfer market, and we're not seeing any sort of improvement. So, you, you either take the bullet now and, and, and you make the decision and see how we go for the rest of the season, or you stick with Emery and this continues to to stagnate this continues to get more and more aggressive more and more abusive in the stadium because it will happen and if Xhaka doesn't play there'll be a next player that will get the same abuse so I just think this needs to change now and I, and I honestly do think that unfortunately after that Leicester game I think that could be the, the final nail in the coffin obviously I hope we win all four games because I'm an Arsenal fan and I love Arsenal Football Club but yeah that absolutely it's, it's not sustainable mate no I agree that, that goes without saying we want to see Arsenal do as well as they possibly can I just there's this nagging feeling in the back of my mind that if we do make the Champions League, then 
that gives and I guess this stems from the fact that I don't really believe much has changed in terms of the way the club's being run. Yes, they've put some new positions in and some fancy titles here and there. And they're talking about, uh, you know, Raul Sanlehi and how great he is and Edu and all that sort of jazz. But ultimately, if there's no ambition from the very, very top, then not much is going to change. And yes, we brought some players in in the summer. We also lost a lot of important players to our squad. And, and people seem to forget that we recuperated some money, took some uh, players off the wage bill. So really, the investment, in my opinion, isn't as big as some would have you believe. Um, James, I was in the stadium yesterday, of course. And, and when the whole Xhaka incident kicked off, do you think that, and, and I'm not, sitting here having a go at fan channels and things like that, because ultimately that's what this is. Um, I'd be a hypocrite if I did that. But do you feel like the influence that some of the fan channels have is so big that it plays a part in, in the sort of general opinion of Arsenal fans across the world? Because we've seen Alex Lacazette like Troops' picture or, or video, whatever it was, which... You know, that's got to be damaging to the club. I mean, how has he done something so stupid? And and how have we got to the stage where normal fans like me or, or anybody else are having such an influence on such large numbers of people? Surely that's unhealthy at this point. Mm, this, this is a juicy topic. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure how to answer that one, mate. It's, it's obviously a tough one. Um I think the influence that, that, I mean, obviously we're talking about Arsenal Fan TV here and the, the influence they have over the club. I mean, we all are completely aware that the likes of Bamiyang and I'm sure many other players are connected to the likes of Troops and Co, um, which, you know, I, I don't really care about personally. Um, they could they could do what they like. They can, they can be friends with whoever they want to be. Um, but I think the connection it has, because obviously so many Arsenal fans are influenced by what these characters say. Um, I mean, every, everyone's entitled to their opinion, right, with these, this this kind of thing. And if DT, etc., cetera, uh, warrant 500,000 views a video, then, you know, fair play. Um, but it obviously has such a heavy influence on, on Arsenal fans. And if it has an influence on players as well, and they're watching this stuff and they're not immune to social media, I mean, whatever you think about them being managed by PR companies and people telling them what not to look at, etc., we all have access to the internet. They, they're, they're no different and they're probably going to watch this kind of stuff as well. And they shouldn't take too much notice of that kind of thing because I do think as much as I don't want to be overly controversial here, someone like Troops, for example, a couple of weeks ago was very in support of Unai Emery. And then if you look at what he had to say yesterday, I mean, I've only seen that one clip of him putting his middle fingers up to the camera. It just shows kind of how quickly these people can turn to to back an opinion that is that is... That is a hot topic, really. That will that will generate the numbers that will put them in in the spotlight in favour of of people. So I think it's it it's unhealthy to an extent. Um, but I think you know there's a lot of people that do go on channels like Arsenal fans. TV. Lee Judges is one of them. I think he talks a lot of sense. Um, and if the players you know take notice of what what he's going to say, then I've not got too much of an issue with it. So I mean, it's definitely something that's going to divide opinion. I think it's definitely got its pros and cons. Yeah, ab absolutely. And it's not. Me having a, a go at any of them personally, as you know, I, I do a podcast with Lee Judges every week. He's fantastic. Graham's fantastic. There are others on there that, that talk a lot of sense too. It's just, for me, I feel like we've got to the point where, you know, 
we seem to have so many of these supporters who latch on to what certain people say. And we all come on these things. We give our opinions. We share our views. I want people to to turn off the show at the end and think, oh, you know what? I heard a good point that I didn't really think of myself. That is what I want from this. I don't want to influence masses of people to have very extreme views on particular players, on particular managers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, I don't know. I, I think that that would be playing on a player's mind the criticism that they're going to receive from that sort of quarter. Uh, Mike, what's your take on that? I know it's a, a really big subject, but do you think that maybe these channels and and you know even this channel maybe we've benefited from the fact that the club's communication is so poor, and so people come to these channels in hope of sort of getting clarity on certain topics and often if you've got an opinion you're maybe not doing it on purpose but maybe you're a little bit irresponsible in the way you put it across you're having a negative impact I don't think it's just exclusive to Arsenal Harry because there's um, that Man United fan that sits in front of a green screen in front of every gate is it Mark Goldbridge or something like that yeah and he's doing some weird act reacting to the guy I don't I, I don't know what to call it it's some sort of entertainment I'm sure but um yeah it's it's not just Arsenal but what what happens with these people is that they they skewer the opinion of these particular fans and it's out of the dawn of the of the YouTube era um where effectively you can make shitloads of money from stuff like this if it gets a lot of views. Um, and I think it, it, essentially what Arsenal Fan TV have done, they've captured that. James was talking about troops back in the manager a few weeks before. He literally put something on his story about four hours um, before the full time. Um, and he was saying, my manager. So effectively back in Emery. And then after the game, all of a sudden his fingers up to Emery, fingers up to Jacka, And that to me just sort of, you know, captures what what it's all about is flip-flop it's reactionary uh it's trying to grab attention uh how you know whether those opinions are genuine only those people know um but yeah I f- for me it's quite damaging um not particularly for the players because i i'm honestly i don't think they take any notice of that um you know if if it's from if it's from a next player like if they're talking like if it's like Ian Wright talking about someone they're probably going to pay attention because that person has some sort of insight to offer if it's you know uh, I don't know Ty from Arsenal Fan TV or whoever it is that they're not going to pay any attention for me um, I, I I don't know Harry I, I think it's an issue and I think um, what we need to do is what we're doing and talk about in a much more reasonable. Um, calm and collected way, and not go too over the top. Um, and that's that, that's the only way to do it because they don't represent the fan base. They are fans; they're individual fans. They're allowed to have their opinion. They've got every right to put that out there. But what it can't do is paint a whole picture for Arsenal fans. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, was what do you make of of the whole? Um, fan channel thing. I know we've seen a shift in the in the way the media works. There's no question about that. I'm not knocking people for using it because I, I'm very fortunate to have gotten myself into a position now where it's my full time career and and this was my route into it and I'm very grateful for that. But I purposely do podcasts the next day because I like to calm down. Um, people will hang on your every word. And I think as someone, well, if you've got a channel, one particularly as powerful as AFTV in terms of its reach, you have a responsibility to put out 
the right type of content. What do you what do you think about that? I just think it's it's just the modern era. It's just, it's just the way life's gone now. Everything's social media based. Everyone's there's so much. Every man and his dog. Every ex footballer is an, an analyst now. They're not analysts. Some of them are thick as shit, and they're just there because they kicked a football. They honestly, you look at them. They know no more than the average Joe down the pub. They've just been put into a scenario where they've had a footballing career and they've done well at what they've done. But it doesn't mean they're intelligent enough to, to transmit their feelings. It's not just fans. It's not Everyone's got their own opinion and that's fine. But, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's not just online. Sheffield United are in the ground on Monday and just two guys around me consistently. Fuck's sake, Jacker. What are you doing, Jacker? Why are you passing backward, Jacker? Like it was consistent for it was non-stop. And th- this this affects people around him. And that's why this ironic cheering, when you've got people around you, every time he gets the ball, and I'm I'm sure you guys all go to games and I'm sure you've heard it all around you, it's been consistent. And that breeds contempt around the stadium. And every time a player gets the ball, and it's not just been Jacker, there's been lots of players down the years that have had this scrutiny. They make the tiniest error, one mistake, and it's jumped on. And that, that spread around the football stadium. So when you have the, the, the same kind of impact, but you can broadcast it around the entire world, then of course it's going to influence people. And of course people are going to form, form opinions based on what they're told by pundits or, or what people talk about on, on podcasts or, or fan TV programmes. But at the end of the day, I think people have just got to try and remember that everyone has different opinions and... and I'm I'm as bad as it as anyone on 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 Twitter. I'm I'm very I'm very opinionated. I'm very highly strong on there. But at the end of the day, it's just because you you believe so much in in what you believe in, and and I think that's the way people should be. But uh, again, going on to talking about characters, and I think some of them are characters, like you said, because people are doing it. Um, like like Mike picked up on, people are making big money out of this now. This is not this is this is the way some people are acting to, to try and get money, and and if that's what they want to do, fair play. But at the end of the day, there's lots of people out there who are just genuine fans with genuine opinions. Not everyone has to agree. And I don't think that people, the people that really really matter are not trying to influence anyone. And at the end of the day, I think that comes across fine. When you listen to certain shows or you listen to certain pundits or analysts, you can see that they're in it for the love of the game and, and it's genuinely their opinion. But then there are other people who have, have been involved in the game, people like Tim Sherwood and people like that, who will just say things just, just, just to get, just to get their name out there to try and get more work, and it, and it filters down to every level. So, it's not just social media. It's not just Arsenal Fan TV. It's ex-professionals. It's pundits, and it's, it's all over the world now because you can literally get up at any time of the day, go on your phone, and you've got the latest news straight away, straight there now. You can watch videos of players kicking footballs over in Japan or or anywhere in the world, and it's literally all accessible now. So. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't. Put, everyone's different, aren't they, mate? So to, yeah. to st- sit there and actively slate people you, and say you're wrong, you're influencing people is not right. But also, you 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 are right in the sense that there are people out there who are doing it j- just because they can now. So yeah, you just you just got to take it all all in your stride and, and have your own opinion and believe what you believe in. Absolutely, and and I don't want this to say it's not a dig at AFTV in particular. AFTV, without doubt are the biggest Arsenal fan channel. They've got a ridiculously big reach. And so they're always going to be in the conversation. But for me, it just feels like, like you said, that there are certain people, not all of them. And I don't doubt for a second that when that channel was set up, it wasn't set up with the right intentions. I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm 
99.9% sure that the intention was to give fans a voice and it was a great idea and stuff. I just feel like, and, and you know, there are probably lots of people that watch this channel because they got into fan channels watching AFTV and I've got no issue with that. I just feel like sometimes, you know, when you're in a position of influence, you, which a lot of these people are because their followings are, are crazy. When you're in a position of influence, you have a responsibility to back up what you're saying with with facts and and you know good points and, and to say you know be passionate that's absolutely fine but like you said was there are people who do it purely for a reaction not because they genuinely believe in it and that comes through and i just was having a discussion earlier on with someone about how that may have contributed or not not just AFTV but how fan opinion on social media on youtube on podcasts may have contributed to Xhaka hitting that boiling point. You know, would he have got, would it have taken longer to get to that boiling point if, you know, the modern era wasn't the way it is and we didn't have these channels and we didn't have these podcasts? Probably. Um, so I think, you know, when people talk about sort of mental health all the time, you have to take into account the way the players are feeling as well. And that if you are actively looking to slate a player and, you know, taking it from criticising his performance to telling him that you hope he breaks his legs and that you hope his newborn child gets sick. When you go over that line, you, you're just an absolute moron. I'm not saying hey, the people on FTV do that, but their passionate rants sometimes can breed that kind of nonsense in the comments. And, you know, they, you know, maybe turn off the comments, you know, maybe delete the comments if you see comments like that. I think everybody's got a responsibility who's in a position of influence to try and stop that shit happening. And for me, there's just not enough being done. Harry, um, sorry, mate, just quickly. Yeah, it's it's yeah. also ex-pros as well, though. Let's be honest. There's ex-Arsenal Absolutely. Players. There's ex-Arsenal players out there who are in the public eye who actively slate our players. And the criticism at times has been over the top. Now, they've represented this club. And I'm pretty sure it might have been Jacko or someone come out and said this. They said, "What? What? Like, why are you acting like this? You've represented this club. You know what it means to wear the badge. Why do you now think it's acceptable when you've been in that limelight, when you know the pressures, when you've been there and experienced it? Why are you now on the other foot doing it to the people playing and representing the club right now? And that, more than anything, when you hear and listen to someone you've respected and loved and followed and enjoyed watching play football and representing your club, when you hear them actively slating individuals at the club now, it hurts. And, and, and then people think, well, he said that, so... Definitely, I believe that. So I think more than anything, they're, they're the bigger influence. And it upsets me that people that have been in that scenario, they've lived that life, they know how it feels, can then go into a career outside of football and put the same pressures and the same situations onto players that are existing now at the club. I think I just don't like that. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, anyway, I think we're going to wrap it up there, guys. We've done nearly 45 minutes. It's been another great show. Um, thank you. Uh, for participating as always James my thanks to you and uh, we'll definitely get you on again in the very near future I hope uh, you're uh, free to come join us yeah certainly mate definitely anytime you want me great stuff Mike thank you so much uh, once again um, and uh, yeah talk to you again soon cheers guys was brilliant as always thank you very much mate and uh, we hope to speak to you again in the very near future too top man lovely to speak to you guys all the best Right, that brings us to the end of another show. Um, there's a guy in the comments telling me that my breath stinks, apparently. 
How the fuck do you know that? See what I mean about idiots on, on social media. It's crazy. Anyway, apparently my breath stinks. I'll have a tic-tac for you, mate. Cheers. Um, but yeah, thank you once again for tuning in. A big uh, shout out to everybody who's watching us live. We peaked at, I think, over 150 people were watching us live at one stage, which is incredible incredible considering most people haven't even finished work yet big thanks to everyone listening back on the audio or watching back on the video replay uh, gonna leave you with a quick message from our sponsors loserpool and we'll be back uh, tomorrow with another episode actually uh, a special guest coming on that one so stay tuned